Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hey everyone, welcome along to this episode. It's a bit unusual because I recorded it in front of a live audience at Tepapa last week, and I was speaking with Dr. Carolyn Cordery about an unusual topic, which was the history of financial reporting. Now, one of the frustrating things was I'd been planning this for literally three months, and it was just one of those things, but the audio from Carolyn didn't get picked up properly by the recording device I was using. So I've had to make do with what I had. And so there's a bit of fuzziness when you hear Carolyn speaking. But if you listen closely, you will be able to pick up the content. This was also recorded as a video, and so I put the link to that in the show notes. So if you click that, you can also listen to it on the video. So you can check that out too. If you do enjoy Seeds, then consider telling a friend about it and helping to get the word out about a podcast that's trying to build an ecosystem of good information about things going on here in New Zealand. Now let's get into this interview with Carolyn. So here we are, Carolyn. <laughs> we're, we're, just in, we're just in a living room and we're just having a conversation. Um, welcome to Seeds podcast. This is a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. And what we try to do is ask questions that go a bit deeper. So we're getting to the why of what people do. Today, we're going to be talking about the history of financial reporting. And it just happens to be that there's about 200 people in the room who are listening in on us. <laughs> um, but I'm really fascinated by this topic, partly because I don't know much about it. And I'm curious. But before we talk about financial reporting, I want to hear from you a little bit about your life and maybe if there's some echoes in the study that you've done that we could trace back to, say, your childhood. So could you just tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think what we've got to say before we start, Stephen, is that it can't be the history of financial reporting. It's, it's a mini history in 27 and a half minutes or mm -hmm. something of what I think. Um, but I guess, you know, you, you asked me how I came to, to be here, and that's, you know, that's a really good question, but I grew up in a Christian home, um, so I volunteered, and I, you know, game, and I did all those things that, that we do, and I, my dad was a Methodist minister, we moved around a little bit, um, but on reflection, I, I, I had this picture in my mind of me sitting in the National Bank in Matamata to go on the signing authority of, um, of the charity in my school uniform. So I know that I was a treasurer long before. <laughs> and, and in fact, you know, I'm a really slow starter. So I was 21 when I went to university part-time to become an accountant because I'd seen that, you know, that was something that really, I really enjoyed doing. Um, and yeah, so I, I studied part-time for a number of years before uh, I became an accountant and then, and then could you know, sort of put the right sign on, on, on my signature for, uh, for the accounting that I was doing in, in the sector and elsewhere. So we can see echoes, I guess, in what you're doing now, back to that childhood and the early involvement in charities themselves? Yeah. And then I guess, um, 
around about 2003 and I was doing my masters, so I was working in the politics at the time and I was doing my masters at, at Victoria. And uh, the Chartered Accountants Australia New Zealand, or the institute as they were then, sent out an advertisement. They wanted people with a not for profit sector task force. And you know, you have to go back then. There was the um, Financial Reporting Act was being reformed, uh, there was the Charities Bill was coming up, and, and Chartered Accountants didn't know what to do about it. So, so I uh, offered all this. You know, selected to go on that task force, and Tony Dale was the chair of that task force. What a fantastic guy he was! Um, What's what stood out about him? He had such a lot of energy for the sector. He wanted really good reporting because he wanted charities to be able to say what they what they did. You know, he wanted to be able to allow them to tell their story, mm. and he just had so much energy and so. Such, such good standards. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, what I want to do is talk about those things and those recent developments, but I think in what often happens with people is that you assume that what you know is what has always been. And so we look at our rules and our regulations and we say, well, that's, that's the way it is. But what I'm really curious to discover is more about the history. So I want you to take us back Take us way back. When we had initial emails, you said, do you want me to go back to 1980s? And I said, no, I want to go back further. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about um, reporting itself. Yeah, so I guess Justice Williams this morning, you know, he, he said religion was a big part of society back, and, and, and he was perhaps in Christendom. Um, I think about what Jerome said yesterday, and can, can I go back to Egyptian funerary copies? I'd love to. BC. Let's do it. So we can, you know, we've, we've seen physical uh, copies of, of the, you know, the pharaoh died, right? He was godlike. So, so they had these funerary cults, and they needed to keep going because you know, so they had to be able to redistribute the, the funds and things, and so that prayers could be said for him, um, and so on. And so, so we've seen accounting happening in there. We've seen internal controls. They were tax exempt. Uh, so, so accounting was way back then. And I think if I can just zoom forward to the 19th century in Egypt. Um, because those funerary cults, many of them became, in the end, wafts, which are the um, Muslim charities. And, and in the 19th century, the Egyptian government said, you know, we don't like what some of you are doing. We want to have some accounts. And if we really don't think that you're doing the right thing with your money, we're going to just take that money off you and we're going to use it ourselves. So we, we see that coming through Egypt. Hmm. Where else would you like to go? Well, I think that's... Let's jump from Egypt to a, 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 bit, a few thousand years <laughs> along the timeline. Tell us a bit more, maybe Middle Ages and around then. You were in the 8th, we've had them this morning already, haven't we? Um, so um, Justice Williams again talked about how he wanted to get married, but actually what he really wanted was the church riches. You know, they owned about a quarter of, of England at that time, and, and they got lots and lots of revenue, three times as much as he got. And so you do, well, you want to take that for yourself if you're the king. And so he became head of the church and, and the head of the land. 1535, I think it's called Bella Ecclesiasticus or something, uh, where he, he went and he served all the churches. They had to say how much money they had, they had to say what the wealth was in the buildings, and so on and so forth. So we had an account. Mm -hmm. That's great. And thinking about New Zealand, New Zealand context, 
where do we see sort of the first signs of accounting here from a... Yeah, yeah well, I'm not sure if these are the first, but um, one of the studies I did when I, when I was doing the analysis was to look at uh, the Methodist missionaries. So there was a guy called Sam Lee, and in 1819 he came across here with um, Marston, and, and he, he saw cannibalistic heads, you know, he saw Maori heads on, on sticks, and he got to go, I've got, I've got to make them into Christians and, you know, they're, they're, they're awful. Um, and I think Sam Lee probably learned quite a few things while he was here, but he, he went to the UK, he went to England, and he said, you know, there are, there are people out there, they, they need to know about God. And the Wesleyan Missionary Society said, well, that's all well and good, but the world's a very good place and we don't have any, any money. So he travelled all around the UK and he collected goods for barter, because there was no cash in New Zealand anyway at that time. So he had like a hundred dozen knives and forks, hundred wedding rings, a tent, I'm sure that would be useful, spades and fish hooks and all sorts of things. So he's, so he's actually going like village to village and yeah. saying, I, I need donations yeah, yeah, <laughs> of goods. He's probably in the apartments in those days. <laughs> of these poor people out in New Zealand who really needed to know the Lord. So, and people were, you know, responding. Mm -hmm. um, so so he, he came back here with the, you know, who knows how he got all this stuff back here. But, but where's the accounting, I'm going to say? Um, the, the Wesleyan Missionary Society was not actually that keen that he came here because it actually cost, did cost him quite a lot of money to, to get everything here. But every quarter he had to write them a letter. And it was numbered. So, you know, that no one had gone missing. And in those letters, there was um, a thing we call stock take. So he had a list of 21 items down on the left-hand side, and across the top, he had what he started with, what he had given it, you know, what he got rid of, and what was left. Hmm. So this was in these quarterly letters. This was in accounting, I think. Accounting right. today will recognize that. Yeah, so the financial reports on a quarterly basis, but about how many fish hooks have been... Bartered or absolutely. absolutely. So he was being accountable to those donors back in the UK. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. And you mentioned you went to a museum, right? And or where was that that you saw some of these letters? Yes, it was at the archives in Christchurch, and the um, the Methodist archives. Peter, yes, yes. So it's before we Yeah, no, that's great. So take us through now. We're kind of in the 1820s or so. It's funny to think about, isn't it? It's not that long ago in, when you think about the millennia, but the Industrial Revolution was happening, sort of in uh, coming up. Tell us a little bit about what impact that had on financial reporting. Yes, so can I go back to the UK at this point? Yeah, that's fine. So, um, and, and perhaps a little bit before that, but there was a, a guy called Gilbert in 1782, and he was really worried about the, the poor people in England, and you may be aware that, that there was a tax basically, so that people could be housed in the workhouses and, and you know, they would hopefully get some money and be able to, to go out into the world and become normal people again. Now, I, I know that some of those poor houses were very, very poorly run and, you know, we're going to go and look at them today. He was concerned about that. Uh, so he, he, he got this act passed, um, and by 1786, the poor houses actually had to send in returns to government of their income and expenditure. But he was also worried about the governance in those poor houses. 
and if they didn't like, if government didn't like what it saw in the way in, in those returns, they could add in the guardian, is what they called it, from, from the community and they bring this guardian in to make sure that the, the houses were being run well. Mm. But yeah, so there was an accounting and there was governance mm. happening at that time. It's interesting, isn't it, because some of the echoes for this conference, like we're still using the same words, aren't we? The, the governance and, you know, making sure people are accountable and things, yeah, yeah. So what else, in, in terms of industrial revolution, the rise of the company, what, what's going on there? Yeah, I guess you've got New Zealand setting up as well, um, with taking on the UK laws, or the English laws at the time, and, and I think it was about 1860, they took on everything at that, at that point. Mm -hmm pre the Charity Act in the UK, so, so we didn't bring that across. Um, what I wanted to think about was some early structures that we had in New Zealand. So I think we had the Unclassified Societies Act, um, and this is sort of late 19th century. Um, and so before our Incorporated Societies Act in 1908, uh, and I thought if we didn't have that Johnny Grove Wall there, um, we'd be able to look out and see the Star Boating Club set up in 1866. Okay, well tell us about the Star Boating Club. Tell us what, what's going on there. <laughs> society. And in, in about 1903, 1902, 1903, they had um, 2,000 pounds, which was about 375,000 pounds in today's money. And yeah, it was quite substantial. And there have been a few sporting clubs that had had some like, misdemeanors now, I'm not saying that Star Boating Club did, but um, some concerned, probably gentlemen in, uh, in the city, went to the Premier, went to Seton and said, look, you know, the Star Boating Club, they've got this £2,000, we've got to have a proper structure for that because someone's going to do something bad. Mm. And that was the genesis of the because I'm really curious to understand the, what we have now and the more recent history about how we got there. So could you just take us through that a little bit? Yeah, so I guess um, thinking about, like, I, I was going to talk about 2009-10, I guess, when, mm -hmm. when you know, we had IFRS, so the non-accountants, so I think um, 
international financial reporting standards, which in 2002 New Zealand decided to take on um, because Australia took it on, and that was for-profit companies. And, and then by um, sort of osmosis, it was applied to, to the public sector, and, and um, the osmosis then, I guess, is more the, the not-for-profit sector. And by 2009, there was a lot of consternation that these for-profit standards weren't really fit for purpose, and, and you know, and I talked about that. Um, some of the issues that you might see in those standards. And there was no real strategy for financial reporting, so it was it, it was moderately reactive. And, and um, Kevin Sumkins, who was another one of those wonderful men in financial reporting in New Zealand, was, um, you know, used to talk to me about his concern about that. And he came in as the chair of what was in the um, to try and deal with those those concerns, concerns you know, the Auditor General went to Parliament and said that financial reporting wasn't working. I mean, this isn't just you know a few accountants talking in corners. This was this was a big thing, uh, and that was the forerunner of the XRB and its decision. Um, and it is the body to set up the strategy for financial reporting in New Zealand, and its decision to um, bring in non-profit standards. And, and I guess, you know, you might ask me, um, <laughs> why don't you want accounting? Well, you know, we thought about accountability to users uh, and, and the sorts of things that we could say. Um, at the time, so I'm in 2011 and we're thinking about the, the charity regulator, you know, it was about to be disestablished in 2012, set up as charity services. Uh, and fortunately, we, we ended up with some research money from that. Um, it was perhaps the only good thing that came out of that. But anyway, we ended up with this research money. And the XRB was very supportive. And we looked at about 850 charities that had filed in the register. Because what we were trying to find out is if, we, if there were going to be new standards, well, what's the current state of financial reporting? So we had three students working on that. They, they did interviews. We, we did all sorts of things. We analysed. This, these accounts every which way, you know, what, what should we be doing? Should we be having something that's really specific? Should we have a different template for churches and the sports clubs and so on? Should we go for something general? Um, where should the levels be? Uh, that was obviously about submissions to, to Parliament. Um, you know, all of those questions were being asked, but what were we pulling off the register? Bank statements, shopping lists, <laughs> pictures of things, you know, all sorts of stuff that wasn't, you, you couldn't use it. Mm. Um, so I, I think I've got one on my piece of paper, Cowboys, you know, it was real wild west. Mm. Yeah, so, so the... And it's interesting, you're not describing a long time ago, are you? This is, this is less than a decade. Yeah. yeah. And the people who are involved in this, this process of coming up with how it's going to look in the future, what, I guess what was the motivation or what you know, beyond the detail of cause 1.3a, you know, like, what was going on, what was going through your mind and others' minds about why we need this? It was very much about telling the story. So, so we wanted the highest possible, um, I guess we wanted legitimate standards that, that the charity sector wanted to be able to use because, you know, they felt that the standard sector was legitimate. We wanted the charity services to feel that the standards were legitimate. Um, we wanted them to be usable, we wanted them to be um, useful for users so that you know, anyone can pick up an annual report and, and understand what it is that the charity is doing. 
And I mean, the thing about standard setting is it's actually really hard work. I mean, I take my hat to anybody that, that, that does it, staff, or people on boards and things, because it's, it's never perfect. You know, it's not like you sort of put it out there and it's there for the rest of, rest of your life. It's, it's an exploration. It's not a complete democracy, but it's not an absolutely just technical issue. So, so it's quite scary putting that out there. You know, 1st of April 2015, those, those standards were then about to be used. And, and it's a scary moment. And, and you've got to be um, you know, listening to feedback, you've got to be you know, working out what, what else needs to happen. Uh, against that, you know, the people using it are like, well, we just want to know what the rules are. fascinating thing is the tension, I guess, between having the numbers on the page and being accountable and actually being able to tell the narrative, tell the story, which very often is better suited to graphics and pictures and things like that. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the standards that we have, mm. because the, the performance report mm. isn't just numbers. Mm -hmm. um, it is also about those outputs and outcomes that that you know, link into your strategy, link into your mission, whatever word you want to use for it. Um, and, and that's part of the conversation, isn't it? So a charity, you know, doesn't really know what it's there for, well then put it at the top. What's it doing to actually um, you know, work towards its charitable purpose? Okay, let's start measuring it. And I'll use that word with you know little sort of scare quotes around it because um, yeah, how, how do we know that we're starting to achieve what it is that we set out to achieve? Mm. And that actually comes around a whole other conversations around not just the board table, but around the members. Mm. Um, and then we can we can communicate that. And some of it links financially. Uh, you know, there was a conversation yesterday about the organisation that had zero um, expenditure, but they did lots of good stuff. Well, this is the space where people can talk about that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's really, it, it's fascinating to look back at the history and kind of see where we've come from and what's led us to where we are. Um, in a session that's coming up, we're going to be looking at more at the future. Could I just ask for your thoughts about the future and what you think it might look like, you know, um, choose any time period you want, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, like what are people going to look back how we do today and look that 1908? Act came in because of that. Yeah, I think we're in a very international space. You know, so we're, we're learning, we're watching what other people are doing, um, but, but we're also using that to learn. So it's, it's very easy, I'm not sure that I'm going to answer your question, by the way. It's very easy to say, um, well, we're a different space and we don't need to look at what's happening in the States or, or in the UK. But actually, I think in New Zealand we have. We have looked at what's happened overseas. But we also very much do look at us and we say, well, what is, what is good for New Zealand? Um, so in the future, I mean, and, and just this morning, we've heard people talking about social enterprises. We've heard people talking about um, structures for Maori organisations. So, so we've, you know, there's lots and lots of issues that... Accounting shouldn't drive. We shouldn't be sitting there saying we'll do it this way because that means the accounting will be right. Mm. 
Accounting is the language of business, but it's the servant. And so what we should be able to do is, in the future, use accounting to communicate with the people who want to be communicated with, mm. um, but also to enable charities mm. to tell the story. Mm. So I'm not going to say to you it's going to be in bitcoins or yeah, that's great. Well, usually the most powerful answers are not the direct answer to a question. <laughs> so you've done well. <laughs> no, it's good. Well, the thing that I've, I've really enjoyed about our conversation is that we do often get too narrowed and focused on what's the situation right now. And particularly, I think, for the charitable sector and people looking at it, and they're looking at what do we have to report. What we've explored with you is, let's go back a couple thousand years. There's always been a need to account for resources. And um, the thing that I liked about what you've been saying and using, it, you know, the word empowering, and the way I'm thinking of it is that this is actually a tool for charities to be able to connect with their stakeholders across a huge variety, whether they're volunteers or the people they're helping or government or whatever. Um, and that actually financial reporting is a form of tool that, that is a helpful thing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to say? Yeah, I, I, I've written down the Whakataki, and I, I hope my pronunciation is okay, but um, I just wanted to share this. Ikora itoa ita whenu katahi, ki te raringa ita whariki ki mohito tato ki tato. And it should say the tapestry of understanding cannot be woven by one strand alone. As I think there's been many, many strands, and I haven't had time to, to just express my appreciation for the amount of input that has been to this whole process in New Zealand mm. um, from many of the people in this room and some of the people who haven't been able to join us. It's wonderful, and if you look out at the room here, the people listening can't tell, but there's a lot of faces here, and I know that you would recognize many people who've contributed bits of thread into that weaving. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This is a word-of-mouth type of show where people hopefully will tell other people. Um, it's called Seeds because I love the idea that seeds look like they're dead, but if you plant them, if you give them the right conditions, then they'll grow. And so the stories that we're telling on the podcast is about inspiring other people through hearing stories like yours. And um, hopefully that then inspires them to be rigorous in what they're doing or starting. So thank you very much, Day. And if the audience could show their appreciation as well. Thank you, Stephen and Carolyn, and thank you, audience, for being part of a live podcast there. You'll be able to tune in later on and listen to that. Um, shameless plug for Stephen. I've been listening to his podcasts now for some time, and they are really good. Um, you learn some fascinating things about a wide range of topics, so um, especially for any Aucklanders who spend a little bit of time in traffic occasionally, um, yeah, <laughs> well worthwhile. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that chat with Carolyn. I know I found it fascinating to learn a little bit about a topic I didn't know much about. And hearing about the fishhooks and the history of financial reporting was fascinating. Too often we do get focused on what we know and the current situation. So looking back into the past is a helpful exercise, I think. If you enjoyed this episode, then consider telling other people about it and leave a rating or review in iTunes. And also there's a Facebook page where you can find out more about the podcast. Until next time.